Welcome to the Live Build podcast, a space where we can find solace, encouragement, and a sense of community. Of course, I'm your host, Liv. So grab your favorite beverage, find a cozy spot, and let's hang. Today, I'm here with my boo thing, my handsome husband. Um, the one and only. Oh my gosh. Michael my- Richard Facundo II. Okay, then. Great. <laughs> um, <laughs> Today, uh, we will be discussing the very harsh reality. Um, I guess it's not super harsh, but that marriage does not and will not fix any premarital issues, I think that's the right way to say it. So That is correct. Um, babe, welcome. I'm, I'm super excited to be here again with you. Episode two with Michael and Liv. Okay. This is, this is exciting. This is, baby. <laughs> this is not your podcast. You <laughs> would live in Michael. There you I'm go. I'm the one introducing you. That is correct. <laughs> but I am excited to be here with you. This is fun, man. I love, <laughs> yo, you need to have me on more of these episodes. All right. Moving on. It's great. Yeah. A little into yourself right now. Okay, so babe, before we jump in, tell us one of your favorite things about being married and one of your least favorite things. I would say one of the favorite things about about being married is being able to cherish someone you really love forever. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's one of the best things. There's an intimacy and a bond there, you know. Um, you get to extend our love to them. And I think that's one of my favorite things about marriage. Um now the other the other part of the question was one of my least favorite things about marriage. I would probably say the ability to have the the ability to have more time for yourself. I think the ability or inability. Sorry, you're correct. The inability of having oh. more time for yourself. You know, for me, if I wasn't married, you know, I would probably spend more time working on my business, working on making more money. Just investing time, selfish, selfish thing to myself, but I have a beautiful, lovely wife that also needs my attention as well um, and, and uh, our relationship. So that is the reason why at times we cannot, wives too cannot do certain things with their time. So. I, let me think about mine. Okay, go for it. Um, I think my favorite thing is having a forever best friend journey or journeying with you through life it's almost like siblings that you hear like they have a built-in best friend they do that's what i think of having a husband as my favorite thing so you view as so you view me as a built-in best friend as part of the package (laughs) so weird (laughs) (laughs) and then my least favorite thing is and i know it sounds cheesy and it sounds fake it actually reminded me of my quiet time this morning, and I truly mean this, is I think it's the thought of living a day without you. I think that's so sad and very depressing and scary. Man, you make my least everything. I know. You're like, you shouldn't get rid of me. I'm like, I don't want to get rid of you. And you're like. No, that's not what I mean, man. Yeah, right. Oh, my goodness, dude. Maybe we should be. Yeah, I think. Yeah. This is this is one of the things, y'all. It's thinking that your spouse is gonna always want to be with you, always gonna, you know. And then they're like, "I wish I had more time for myself." I mean, because she takes up all my time. Not all my time, but yeah. the men are the men and women too will understand what I'm saying. I guess we'll just get right into it. So but I couldn't imagine a day without you either. So I love you very much. Yeah, yeah. Okay, 
So today we're diving into the concept that marriage doesn't magically resolve um, all or any lingering issues from our single days. Um, I feel like I hear a lot of younger people or, yeah, I don't know if it's younger, just people, pretty impaired old people, <laughs> um, share personal issues and they say, you know, if, if only I had a husband or wife, then dot, 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 fill in the blank. And it just makes me sad because the reality is marriage does not magically fix those underlying issues. And it's true. if anything, marriage just heightens them or highlights them even more. So, yeah, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think it's an important topic. Um, it's a belief that I held for a very long time, a false belief based on a false pretense, believing that uh, marriage can help you solve your issues regarding sexual sins and everything that encompasses that. Um, loneliness, anxiety, lack of uh, patience. Marriage is not something that fixes you or quote-unquote helps you solve your problems per se, but it's literally two imperfect people coming together and forming a marriage. And we have two imperfect people within the same home living together. You are bound to come into conflict with that person. And you're bound, and you're bound to have your um, flaws as a human being be more heightened within that home. Yeah, yeah. I mean, basically, what we're saying is it doesn't erase any personal challenges or, or past wounds going in, going into marriage. So um, you you touched on some, but I I want to highlight a few more. Um, some of the things that an individual may be dealing with in their single lives that they think marriage will change. Um, So you said sexual sin, um, which I think is a huge one. I think a lot of people go into marriage not being forefront, like forthcoming and honest with their fiance or whatever. Um, And they think, you know, yeah, once I get into this marriage and these things will go away. So sexual sin um, includes lust, masturbation, um, watching pornography, um, promiscuity, infidelity, um, it could be loneliness, insecurity, fear, trust issues, um, depression, anxiety, anger, violence, um, poor financial stewardship, addictions, unrealistic expectations, lack of respect. And you even mentioned impatience. And, you know, I'm, I'm certain there are more to add to this list. But people really do think that entering into marriage will erase these issues and they find themselves suffering because it. it it truly doesn't. Um, so how can individuals, especially those with a Christian perspective, actually, even before we go there, let's dive in. Just be real for a second. Is that okay? Sure. <laughs> um, sure, let's be real. Yeah. So, I mean, one of the reasons that, and this is so unscripted, so <laughs> I don't know what, where this is going to go. But, um, you know, one of the things when thinking of this episode is, and and just this channel in general, is just to be real and honest, right? Because there's things that I feel like people aren't willing to be honest and open about in the right time, in the right place. Um, And this is one of them. Um, We've known a lot of people, couples that are now even divorced um, with this same issue, I guess is the, the word, where we've been in conversations 
where they shared that they're struggling with masturbation, for instance. And they're like, hey, did you tell your fiance or, you know, whatever. We, we've met so many different people. And we, we, yeah, we've had our, you know, our own history and our own story, which I think we'll share in this episode. But um, it's just disheartening because it's like that issue is not going to go away just because you get married. So if you have an issue with lust or masturbation or whatever the case is, not because you're going to get married and now you're free to have sex means those issues are going to go away because it's, it's not even just about the lust or masturbation. Like it's a heart issue and it's, it's, it's separation from God. And so for you to think that marriage will solve that is just a sad mistake. And then for you to think that you're entering and can enter into a marriage with secrets like that is very deceitful and deceiving not just to that person but to yourself and so That's correct. don't do it please don't do it um and don't get married because you want to have sex or you think if i get married i won't struggle with anger anymore or lying anymore or whatever the case is like marriage doesn't cover it just like we know the concept of having kids doesn't i don't know alleviate whatever you're seeking in the season of trying to have kids or if I make more money or this is a great one, if I lose weight, then I'll feel better about myself. Like I'm sure it does, but like there's some deeper things that you need to address. Yeah. I would, I, I would argue probably say that that temptation within itself is hiking more while you're married. And the reason why is because my dad explained this to me before I got married. And I thought it was so insightful. My dad was like, Mike, when you're married, the devil tries everything to make you guys go apart. But before you're married, keyword, keywords before you're married, he'll do everything he can to bring you guys apart. No, together. Together in a sinful way. That means having sex before married, marriage and everything that encompasses that, right? So, but while you're married, the devil knows that that is a covenant that God has instituted between a man and a woman, Okay between a man and a woman, God instituted that quote-unquote covenant slash government. And that was the first thing that God, you know, I'm sorry, it was the first thing that Satan attacked and the garden was the institute of marriage as a whole. That's good. I do like that. Um, I remember I came across this, um, this thing on YouTube. It was like a panel of married couples. And so... Oh, yeah. Yep. It was... I remember that video. So I don't think it was the TV Jakes one. That was, was good too, but it, it's the one with Tasha Cobbs and her husband. Yep, yep, yep. I remember. And um, I forget the other guy. I see him, but it, there were these big influential people in the Christian community, and I just recall Tasha Cobbs sharing her story between her and her husband, and she basically confirmed what you just said that when her and her husband were dating, they just could not keep apart. Like they kept falling into sexual sin. Um, and then once they got married, it was, then they had to deal with that. Of, it was like the enemy did everything he could to keep them apart. Like they didn't want, they, it, it just was harder for them to come together in a sexual way, um, in their marriage. And so, I mean, I feel like we know that so well, cause that, that's our story of how we even got married or, you know, how we started our relationship was <laughs> because, um, because we were, sexual having, sin. Yeah, we're, having, we we're having sex before we got married. Yeah. And so, and then once we got married, then it was harder to maintain 
that sexual drive yet. Excitement and all the things. So, anyways, I guess I'm just agreeing with you that the enemy does do everything. It's like your hormones are raging before you're married, and it's so hard to keep pure. It's possible, but it's so hard. And then once you are together, and not even just in sex, the enemy does everything to break you guys apart. Pull you apart. Yeah, I think it's key. I think it's very important um, that Olivia, you know, says that says this as well. Because the reality, the reality is, is this: is that if you had an issue of keeping your hands off of each other before you were married, there is a greater temptation of keeping your hands off of people who are not your spouse outside of your marriage covenant. For some individuals, so what I mean is this: it's not so much that. That person within, it's not so much that the person you were engaged to and that's not your spouse, not so much that they were the issue that you couldn't keep your hands off of them. But in reality, it comes from, with, with what Olivia said earlier, with what's within your heart, right? It comes within the actual sin that is within your heart. Jesus says, he talks about, it's not what, it's not what comes, it's not what, it's not what, it's, it's, the, it's the interior, paraphrasing, but it's the interior of a man that comes out of his heart and defiles him. The defilement comes not, the defilement does not come by you not washing your hands and eating, as the Pharisees were saying, but the defilement comes from, from without, comes, sorry, comes from within the heart. It, it comes out of the heart, per se. That's where the defilement comes, that's where the sexual sin itself comes from. Yeah, so I guess we're going into, into the, this portion of, I guess, talking about the heart and our relationship with the Lord, um, because the whole premise of this conversation is just to acknowledge the just how crucial it is to recognize that our identity and completeness should come from our relationship with God. And I think that's when we start thinking marriage will fix and complete all these other shortcomings that we have. Um, and it, it doesn't. It's it's recognizing our separation from God and the lack of completeness and fullness with Him. That doesn't come from our spouse or any other outer entity. Um, we need to, to bring our whole authentic selves into the marriage, acknowledging both strengths and areas that need growth. So, again, just acknowledging and understanding that my spouse will not make me feel better about loneliness. Um, my spouse will not make me feel better, which is crazy because you would think, but, sorry, I'm jumping back and forth, but you would think that you wouldn't feel lonely because there's somebody with you, right? Like almost 24 seven, you're, you don't live alone. There's someone in your house all the time, yet how can you still struggle with loneliness? So again, the essence is they don't fix things. They don't fix my outburst of anger. They won't fix my spending habits or my insecurities. Um, that truly only comes from the Lord. It only comes from God, God himself. Yeah. So, Walking in the wholeness, yeah. the identity, right? The identity comes from God Himself, right? So, for example, even as a child of God, right? As a child of God, the thought of indulging in sexual sin should be below you. You're a child of God. That type of of sin within of itself that that is that that is beneath you. Yeah, that's something that you. That you, the child of God, you have too much respect of being a child of God of from yourself. That you don't need to dabble in that. You, you know, a child of God has more respect for Him and for herself not to dabble in that. And even somebody who's listening to this and they don't believe in God, 
you are more valuable than going to that level and having multiple promiscuous partners and the pain and suffering that can, that, that, that within itself can actually come from. You do. I mean, if you are a secular person, somebody who doesn't believe in God and even children of God as well, if you're listening to this, look at practical examples of celebrities, politicians, and well-known people who were married, who were caught up in sexual scandals, and look what it did to the reputation in their lives. All because they had a lack of self-control. It's not worth it. It's really not. It's it's that diving and, and, and dabbling in that particular um, sin. It's, it's not worth it, guys, and it should be beneath you. Because you're better than that. You have too much respect for yourself as a human being to dabble in that. Yeah. Does like, that make sense, babe? Yeah, I like the point that you're making. I think not a but or however, but in addition, in addition to that, though, I think it is really important to be honest. So I understand what you're saying. I still do think that people need to be honest with themselves and with each other. So you can't, I don't know, and I don't need to, like, go against you. No, me. but I... I, I, I I know what you're saying. But. I just don't think that it's right to think it's beneath you because it's not. I mean, we're human. even though I understand what you're saying, but it's not. If we're unable to be honest with ourselves that I can fall into this or not even fall, but I could commit this or I can do this, like I think you're lying to yourself. So it reminds me last year going into 2023, I saw this couple um, and they were recording and the lady said, you know, you need to be honest with what you're capable of. So if this is something that you struggle with, you need to be honest with yourself and with your spouse that this is what I'm just calling the thing a thing and being honest about it rather than thinking that, oh, I would never or I could never. All right. So I know Olivia was just saying about being honest. Um, I think I think within a marriage and within the, the marriage unit as a husband and wife, you must be honest with your struggles. Let's be honest with your battles, you know. I think for me as a man, one of the uh, early on, the early parts of my marriage, I struggled a lot with the partaking in sexual sin, you know, of, of pornography and, and, and dabbling in most in those particular areas and arenas of sin. And one thing that I learned about sexual sin is that it's very self-deceiving, right? And you think that, well, all sin is self-deceiving, to be honest with you. But the sexual sin in itself is, is really is really self-deceiving and it's very selfish. And it's self-deceiving because you think that you think you'll never get caught and you don't think it won't manifest itself in different ways, but it does. And it's selfish because that your sexuality is meant to be shared with your wife or via with your husband. Okay? And you need to be honest with with your spouse. Say, listen, look, I struggle with sexual sin. I struggle with watching pornography, and I need help. Um, the the point I believe in you sharing that is to say, and I'm sure you didn't you did think you would continue in those behaviors. Like <clears throat> once you got married, I'm sure you thought once I got married, like all these things would disappear. I wouldn't struggle with this anymore. Yeah, that's that's, that's true. She's right, and I did think that actually. Man. I thought that the struggles and the stuff would go away, but it didn't. And that's what I'm saying. Like the sexual sin in itself is very self. It's still it's self deceiving. You think you you think your struggles will go away. You tell yourself, oh, it's just one more time, one more time, and I should be good. But you know, the Bible talks about Ecclesiastes the heart, and they uh, he said the eyes are never satis are never satisfied. That's all it says that the that that, that the hearts of the children of man are continually doing evil. 
So there's there's the heart of evil, and the heart is evil. The heart is deceitful, right? And, and you will continue. Right? The heart is deceitful. The heart will deceive you thinking, I won't do this again, and then you want to do it again because you deceive yourself into thinking you won't do it again, but you will continue to do it because your heart is continually bent on doing evil. Yeah, and Does that make sense? kind of like what we were saying earlier. Is not, nothing really is ever enough for us until, you know, until Jesus is. Like, he's the only one that completes us and brings us to wholeness and, and healing. So until Jesus is everything, we're never going to be content with anything. So although we think marriage is the final destination for whatever, again, loneliness, anger, sadness, depression, like, until Jesus is everything, nothing will be enough. So marriage isn't going to, I feel like I keep repeating it, but marriage isn't going to be enough. It's not going to erase those struggles or make us better in those avenues. So, yeah. And then going back to the honesty part, it's like if you're not honest with your fiance going into marriage and then, you know, once y'all become married, um, you take that person by surprise and it's... It's not beneficial for either one of you at all. Um, And it's just a whole nother beast to deal with and handle on any, any struggle, not just sexual for us. That's a little bit more personal and we can speak directly to that because that was the journey we walked through. Um, But yeah. Yeah. I think, um, well, that is correct that the actual, the actual, Marriage, the 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 concept and the beautiful thing, of, of the beautifulness of marriage is not in itself going to fix your issues. The spouse is not going to fix your issues. You have to resolve those issues with God, and you have to you have to let those issues uh, overcome them through the power of Jesus. You have to um, also too. I think it's probably make peace with your past, man. I mean, you know, you you've done this before you got married. You've done that before you got married. Dabbled in this and that, and you know you have to allow God to heal you from that. And that's will heal my heart and mind from that, and will let me overcome my past. You know, like scars, scars are real. The things we dabbled with before we got married, and you have to allow the Lord to heal those wounds and let them scars. You know, um, your scars can be a testament for how God has healed you. Yeah. God has overcome, has, has God has helped you overcome those sins that you dealt with. Yeah. You know. Um, and maybe even like, I mean, I'm a huge advocate for always will be for counseling. Um, I have seen the beauty of counseling in our lives personally and in mine as well. Um, so I would even encourage anyone that is, you know, on their way to, way to marriage or is married that there's something that you are struggling with um, in your marriage or behind closed doors or whatever the case is, you know, first and foremost, seek the Lord and um, and ask Him for help and direction. And in addition to that, you know, find a counselor, somebody that you can be honest with and truthful with that can help walk you through that personally or as a unit. Um, find a trusted mentor that you can... Be pastors. Yeah, that you can trust. And, and especially if it's sexual sin, I know that one tends to be something, yeah, but even more than that, just something that's more embarrassing, I feel like, to have to confess and tell someone about, and I totally get that, but I think, yeah, I'm very shameful, for sure, but I think I would encourage you that, you know what, there's probably more people out there that struggle with sexual sin in their marriage than we all could ever even count, 
support oh, yeah. me from. And so, you know, don't be ashamed and, and be confident and bold that you were um, courageous enough to seek help. But in a step further, because it's something so shameful and so scary, is also why I would recommend, you know, finding a counselor, someone that is just unbiased and someone that you feel like won't judge you, but definitely don't try to overcome any of these sins or temptations or shortcomings on your own because the enemy will try to lie to you to tell you that you don't have to tell anyone and you know just one more time and if I just don't do this just one more time it's just really hard without the help of Christ and without him really having a heart to overcome on your own yeah it's correct it's the power of God that helps you overcome the sexual sin in your life um the reality is, is that, is that, is, is that sexual sin is something that any sin can give you this. But sexual sin in itself is something that produces dopamine within a brain, right? There's a, there's a certain high that that an individual can get from sexual sin, uh, men and women. You know, I know the, the sexual experience for a man and a woman is different. I know that a man and a woman can both have an orgasm, but I know it's more of something for a man in the sense of how much on how so much how the excitement and the fulfillment of having an orgasm as a man can can you know heighten the drawing of that temptation um but at the same time too you have to understand that even sex of when even sex and sexual sin of, of within of within itself it it doesn't really satisfy you and what i mean by that is that that if you live your life always looking for a sexual pleasure, even when you're married, it's not going to bring any true satisfaction. Or the next big thing. Or the next big it could thing. Be a car, it could be it's not going to. A phone or shoes or. It's not it's temporary. It's temporary satisfaction. That that, that satisfaction could technically come from God and God alone. Um, so does that make sense? What I'm trying to say there? Yeah. No, no, that's good. I mean, I I think that's so true, and that, I think that's where the enemy gets you and grabs you is the grass always seems greener on the other side and if I just have this or do this and I'll feel better about myself so you know again loneliness if, if that's someone's issue or their deep um, just the, their deep disconnect um, we can be deceived in thinking you know if I had enough friends or if I went to the biggest get together with the most prominent people, whatever the case is, and that will fulfill me. And, and you you have those moments of, of satisfaction, but it, again, it's only temporary because it hasn't even addressed the true, deeper, rooted issue that's really going on there. So I agree with you. I think we get deceived in thinking the next big thing, right? If I have a new girl or a new user, I don't know what people be thinking, but whatever, then it satisfies and will fix the itch or the desire or the want or the need and it's not long lasting it's not fulfilling yeah so it's it's very it's a very dangerous place to be and in that moment of course whatever the enemy sells us sounds great but he sure enough doesn't make you see or feel the aftermath of what happens after the fact you know for us practically you know if you can speak on this though you didn't physically you know step out into our marriage or you know any of that stuff but I'm sure in the moment of you know masturbating or watching porn or whatever the case is you didn't have 
you didn't feel the shame in that moment. It, like before you committed the sin, you didn't you feel afterwards. the shame. You didn't see what it would do to our marriage and to our relationship. And I'm sure you didn't see, you know, how long it would take us to go through counseling and how long it took us to find healing and all that. So, and I'm happy to have you speak on that. But what I'm saying is he doesn't sell you that part. No. He sells you the excitement. And, the instant gratification. Yeah. Yeah, it's the, instant, it's, it's the instant gratification, right? So um, I, I was telling the buddy the other day, have uh, an orgasm is one of the greatest gifts God has given to mankind for both the woman and the man. Contrary to popular belief, about 100 years ago, a woman can have an orgasm. Um, just takes the, the right communication to her partner and within marriage to achieve that, right? And obviously for a man, that's kind of a no-brainer, right? So um, it, it's, it's a high, or at least it's dopamine, and... You're, and, and there is there is something chemically in the brain that happens to a man when he has an orgasm, right? So um, there is like in, in, in culture itself, and not to be inappropriate, but as men, we always joke about post, quote unquote, post nut clarity. What that is is that, and this is this is scientifically research based. When a man after a man finishes having an or, having an orgasm. He thinks with the most clarity ever. That's why the men joke is called focusing on clarity. And you're like, man, I just masturbated. Why do I feel disgusting afterwards? Like, what am I doing? Like, why did I masturbate to her? Like, why did I watch a disgusting porn Like, what am I doing? And it's it's a clarity that goes off in the brain. And basically, it's like, it's there's something in your brain that tells you you shouldn't have done that. A sense of guilt afterwards. And because when you are heightened, sexually like that you cannot think straight you're like a dog on the bone for a man you cannot think straight it's all you want is is a female anatomy uh sexual parts all that you want but if you as a man can learn to control that through the power of the holy spirit and of god you can control that urge the reason why you have an urge right in the flesh or in the in the desire if you have a desire or an urge when you see a beautiful woman, you want to have sex with her. That urge and desire to want to have an orgasm, to procreate, something that God has given you. Having a desire and your urge to procreate with a woman and have an orgasm with a woman is not sinful. God has given you that as a man in the confines of marriage. It becomes sinful when you when that is outside the confines of marriage and when you masturbate pornography and do that. That is when it becomes sinful. But the desire to be the woman sexually and woman to be the woman desire sexually for a man is not sinful. It's when you it's when that desire outside of marriage becomes a sin, right? So why am I saying this? You have to, and I had to learn the value of one, knowing what it means to for that in a marriage and knowing what it knowing the the confines of that I'm supposed to be in my marriage and something that God has given my wife and I to enjoy. Two, as a man not allowing the experience of the female anatomy part, not not allowing that to control you. If you are a man that allows that to control your decision-making, you are a weak man. As harsh as it may sound, but I'm telling you, if you cannot control your sexual urges, you cannot control all the parts of your life. Weak men are given to that easily. Strong men know how to abstain only for their wives, and they know how to, and they know how to not allow their wife to use that in the marriage to dictate the decision making. Proverbs thirty one talks about this. Actually, Proverbs thirty, Proverbs chapter thirty, and Proverbs chapter thirty one talks about it. Alludes to this. I'm not giving strength to women to not allow that to control you. 
you enjoy that, you enjoy it with your wife, sexually in a marriage. You don't allow it to control you. It's a difference. You enjoy it, you don't allow it to control you. And third, finding your identity in God and knowing your 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 value as a child, your value and your worth as a child of God. And I want to go back to what something Olivia said earlier. And what, what I said, I'm not saying that as a child of God, you, you're not, you don't struggle with this. You don't battle with this. Because you do. And you have to acknowledge that, right? Mm-hmm. But what I'm saying is this. Even you can acknowledge it and you can know that, man, I have a temptation to do this. But you know what? I'm a child of God and I acknowledge that I'm tempted by him. I'm a child of God and God has made me a new creation in Christ Jesus. Second Corinthians 5, 17. And this type of stuff is not for me anymore. Yeah. It's, below, it's, it's below me. I have too much self-respect for a child of God. A child of right, the king, right? I belong to a king to partake in this. That's what I'm trying to say. But I'll tell you what. Uh, our pastor, Pastor Rocky, said, uh, uh, told me this. For men, it's every man's battle. Men will always have to battle against this. Always will. You get to a point where you can control it easier, but there's some days where it's, it's harder than others. And men, I understand the struggle. I do. I have not arrived. Believe me, I have not arrived. As somebody who has come has has come from a very promiscuous background, somebody who has a has a sinful disposition to love women, I understand the struggle. I dealt with it. My father has conquered it. My grandfather dealt with it. Um, so you know, it's something that you have to battle as a man, and you have to know. Listen, sex within my marriage is something for me to be something for me to enjoy, not for me to be controlled by. It. Because your strength, your satisfaction, and your contentment, come and your pleasure comes from God. So, you're welcome. Um, yeah, I guess to just reiterate, I think it's so important. And you just said it, um, you know, about being open and having open and honest conversations. Um, I think it's it's really important to be honest, um, even so, see your partners and that they help and know how to pray and support you and you know, help get the necessary help that the marriage needs. You, know, you need to understand that the, the enemy has a plan to destroy marriages, and it's, it as it's supposed to be a reflection of how God is the church, and so we need to be open and honest about the thing that we struggle with, that we pose a threat to the marriage, whatever that looks like. Um, but you have to acknowledge it too, my love. Yeah, that's, that's what oh, I'm saying, yeah. you know, to be honest about it, and yeah, acknowledge it. I mean, you can't be honest Without acknowledging it, and you can't have a pure marriage without being honest. Because, like I said, uh, what you think the marriage, because what you think the marriage may resolve within us may be the very thing that the enemy thinks used to destroy. So, you know, even as we're coming to an end, what are some practical things that you think would help um, acknowledge or? someone could do to help acknowledge and be truthful about what they're they're dealing with as they walk into as they're in a marriage in the con in the context of um just what we're talking about that marriage is a fix things it doesn't fix us what they could do you would say so just any practical things that and then probably we've already addressed it by saying acknowledging it and being honest about it. Um, I I, re- I really think that's the essence. Sure. That's the essence of acknowledging, knowing that your spouse is not going to fix your needs. I I would say because I know I know one of the 
one of the premium themes that I can speak to on this. And what we talk about as a sexual sin is this. You, you need to come to, term, come to terms with that. You struggle with it. And, and you don't battle with it. You don't. Actually, let me rephrase that. You don't genuinely struggle and battle with it. You really don't. Every time you feel a temptation, you give yourself into the temptation of masturbating watching porn. You don't battle with it. You don't struggle with it. You just give yourself over to it. Struggling and battling with it is really saying, no, I'm not going to do it. You're good for a few weeks, and then you go and then you go back into it. That's battling it. If you're, if you're married, I would encourage you, if you're a man or a woman, talk to your pastor. Say, hey, listen, pastor, I'm watching porn. My wife doesn't know. My husband doesn't know. That's step one. From there, I would encourage you to have a meeting with your spouse, with the pastor, and confess it. It ties it to you there as a mediator. Your spouse is going to be shocked. Your spouse never thought that that my perfect husband, John, or my perfect wife, uh, Janice, can watch porn, right? They'll never think so, but it does happen. Be honest. Just acknowledge it. Because I'm going to tell you something. You're willing to hide pornography. You're willing to hide the real, you're you're willing to hide the real thing eventually. Never got caught with porn for five years, man. You know what? I'm going to business trip. I know so and so. She works at the bar. Finds me interesting. You know what? And I can flirt with her a little bit and I can find out. It leads down a rabbit hole. Always start small. Always start small. That's why the book of Proverbs relates sexual sin as a fire in a man's lap and he thinks he cannot play with it and not be burned. It's gonna the fire is gonna spread. It's not only gonna burn your pants, but it's gonna singe your sweater, it's gonna singe the cops you're sitting on, it's gonna singe everything in your in your area in the in your area of life. Just confess it, man. And you know, I know we're wrapping up, but that whole just confessing, just confessing part, like, I imagine, you know, and similar to Pastor BJ thought about it on Sunday, like, I imagine it's hard, it's very hard. to confess because it's, it's a lot of fear behind it, and you don't know what the outcome is, but I would also say, don't be so caught up on the outcome, because regardless, like, the outcome isn't going to be good in the sense of there's a lot of shock. There's yeah. there's trust broken, but just confess it in the sense that you can start somewhere, right? So for us, like I said, it wasn't to the point where you physically cheated or anything, but it, it was still so damaging to one area. So cheating the hard. To our communication and trust in our relationship. And it, it was hard. I, I really, and I'm sure you didn't either, but I didn't see how... I just didn't, I couldn't see the end of the tunnel. I couldn't see it. And I remember when we started working through it and we went to marriage counseling, I even more so felt like I could not see the end of the tunnel. And it was dark and it was dark for a long time. But we started somewhere. Glory to God. Like we started something. I was able to give us the grace to move on and find healing and rebuild trust and all that. So I just say that to say, like, even though it is such an easy thing to say, just confess, I imagine it's a very hard thing of, well, what's the confession in the room? What's the outcome? Yeah. And we don't know what the outcome is. You won't know what the outcome is, but just take that first step to confess and allow God to do the rest with the outcome. Absolutely. And telling you confession is one of the, when you confess it to somebody, Confess it to somebody who holds you accountable by confessing it to your pastors and, and, and then having a meeting with your spouse. It, I'm telling you, that is part of breaking the bondage, man. Because you're acknowledging it. Come to terms with it, bro. Now, listen, man, I struggle with this. And, you know, I'll never forget, man. That's what, you know, so my biological father, he's a, he's a workout guy. He's a very big guy. He works out a lot, very strong. And one morning, I was working out with him. And I can't remember the topic. I'm going to have a great conversation. But 
We're up at like a five, five thirty working out. Um, I think actually this was this is when you came here to Gainesville originally. And I was living with him for a month because because they were in transition. We were moving from Naples to Gainesville. Anyways, I never forget. I never heard a pastor say this and because my father was a pastor. He said, "You know, man, you know, Mike, sinning, the lust of the flesh." He said, "It feels good to sin." And kind of, it kind of, it kind of took me a step back because I, I already knew this, but never in my life have I ever heard somebody say that. Never in my life have I ever heard a pastor, let alone my own father, say that and admit that. And that's how I knew that when you are not living in sin, you're able to say those things because you know that you're that you're free. You can admit. Just be honest about where you come from. Be honest where you come from, man. And and but it's true, guys. I'm not listen, I'm not gonna listen, I'm not gonna sit here and tell you that that I don't that I don't battle, that I don't struggle. I'm not gonna tell you that it doesn't feel good to sin, because it does feel good to sin. It's a flesh natural inclination to sin. It's true. But again, there's that there's a there's there's a theological aspect behind this. God has made you a new person. Amen. <laughs> Glory to God. Um yeah, just concludes that episode. Um, yeah, that was a lot. It was a lot, very heavy stuff, but it's reality of things. You know? So that wraps up another episode of the Live Hope Podcast. <laughs> we we hope you found valuable insight and inspiration to fuel your journey towards a vibrant, faith-filled life. Be sure to subscribe, leave a review, and share this podcast with your friends and loved ones.